0: I'm going to need that guy's DeLorean. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay Shear. On today's podcast, two of our Patreon supporters, Nick Prokop and Ray DeLeon, join me to dig deeper into Avengers Endgame. As you might imagine, as Story Geeks fans, they're both super into the MCU and deeper questions. We're supposed to be on hiatus as we record podcasts for our next series, but there's just too much to talk about with Avengers Endgame and the MCU. So this is an extra epilogue episode in our MCU series. Endgame went on for three hours, so we're going extra time too. And just know this show contains a ton of spoilers for Avengers Endgame. If you missed any of the previous episodes in this series, like our Iron Man and Thor character arc breakdowns with Helen O'Hara, or our dig deeper with Marie Claire Gold into Captain Marvel, or even our nerd fight about the best MCU movie, Be sure you check those out in our podcast feed or on our blog at thestorygeeks.com. And stay tuned. Next week, we'll be releasing a special episode on Game of Thrones. We just literally cannot take a break. And then after that, we kick off our DCEU series. If you've had enough Marvel, or like us, you also love the DCEU despite its problems, you won't want to miss that series. Subscribe for free to the Story Geeks podcast on your preferred podcast provider. Also, the Story Geeks do a lot more than just podcasts. At thestorygeeks.com, you can find articles from Ashley Pauls and Anthony Holder. And by the way, I wrote a blog a couple weeks back that you can check out on Tony Stark. You can also find links to our aftercasts. What's an aftercast? It's the podcast we record right after this one that's published exclusively for our Patreon supporters. On today's aftercast, we talk about Thor and his change in Avengers Endgame. And we talk about the Infinity Gauntlet some more as well. Become a Patreon supporter and you'll unlock access to all of our aftercasts. Stay tuned. We'll be thanking all of our Patreon supporters by name at the end of this show. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Let's dig deeper into Avengers Endgame. All right. Well, I am excited because we have two of our patrons joining us on the show today. Nick Prokop and Ray DeLeon are both here to talk with me about Endgame how are you guys doing good man thanks for having us
1: hey gentlemen it's Nick how you guys doing loving it
0: thank you especially for being patrons by the way I'm really appreciative of that and uh, it's always good to hear from you guys so I'm glad we could jump on a podcast together Um, Nick I'm gonna start with you with this question and this is probably the easiest question on here um, because we're gonna get a little deeper into these questions because that's what we always do on this podcast but what did you think of Avengers Endgame
1: Avengers Endgame Obviously, it's a culmination of everything we've seen in the MCU so far. And to me, like, Oscars 2020, watch out. They're coming for you. You had closure to the relationships you've seen over the past 10, 11 years in these movies. And just having that, that character arc come to a great end for Nat, for Cap, for Iron Man. You just had that feeling. And one thing I like to say about this movie and the characters themselves, the reason why we can get so emotional in this movie is we believe these people are who they are playing. So by saying that, I mean Robert Downey Jr. He is Tony Stark. One of the things that makes these so beautiful is you are believing these people are these people. If you're working with a Paul Rudd and you have a quirky guy like Ant-Man and Scott Lang, you can believe it and you can love it and you can get into these this story and connect with the story. And that's one of the things that makes it so great of a movie is you're connecting to that story.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. And the, the casting, like
2: you said, is just spectacular.
0: Ray, what do you think? What do you think of Avengers Endgame?
2: Uh, I mean, obviously I loved it or else I wouldn't have seen it four times. um um, right from the get-go out of the box as heartbreaking as it was um to see what happened with clint and his family um i loved how it changed him as a character i mean in that moment you don't know what it's going to do to him but i mean if you've seen enough of the previews you kind of get an idea the fact that there was you know there was moments you laugh cry cheer all in the same movie um you know, there was times where I find myself crying because something sad happened. And before I could recover, I was crying because something awesome happened. You know, so, I mean, True. it's it's crazy. I mean, I did the thing where, you know, you, I have to scratch my face so no one sees me crying. But I was like, you know what, forget it. It's, <laughs> it's just going to happen. So, um you know, if they can get that much emotion out of you in one movie um and not feel cheated, I think they're doing a lot of things right. Absolutely. I So... One of the things that's pretty common that I hear
0: from uh, MCU fans is that they are just thrilled with the way this ends and i and I think i I think I understand exactly why because uh, Nick kind of you kind of hinted at this, but it's basically the best possible ending of the MCU, and it wraps up the MCU like, 10 years and this is the 22nd movie and there are so many storylines going on and Endgame is magnificent in the fact that it is able to tie all of these things together, which is, I mean, from a writing standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, that's remarkable to be able to do all of that. Um, I especially liked Tony Stark's character arc, his character arc. I mean, he's been a staple of the entire MCU, but... From day one through endgame, all of the movies that he's done, uh his character arc is an absolute masterpiece. It's brilliant. Um I think for me, I need to see it again. I've only seen it once. You guys have both seen it more than I have. Um I think That's Nick, true. you've seen it twice, right?
1: Twice. Yeah. I'm not I'm not Ray here, <laughs> Mr. Four Times. Yeah, uh, four yeah. times is
0: pretty impressive. <laughs> I took a break on Sunday. That that was a break. <laughs> <laughs> So I need to uh, turn in my geek card to both of you guys. But I was sick, so I didn't get a chance to I was supposed to see it more times. And I wasn't able to, but I, I need to see it again because right now for right now for me it hasn't quite made it into the top five. But I think it's because it's almost it's almost too perfect of a wrap up for me. And I wish I was kind of hoping that they would not, not that it doesn't have surprises or twists. It totally does. Um, but I was hoping for something a little bit more messy or a little less safe in some areas. Um, but having said that, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece, and it is. a, it, it is, I've used that word several times, and I use it because if you're teaching people how to do a franchise, you would follow this exact model for, for utilizing the franchise and pulling everything together, because it just does it with aplomb. It's amazing. So yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, probably not as much as some of you guys liked it, but I need to see it again. Uh, and maybe by the fourth time I see it, it'll be him number one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Ray, I'm going to start with you on this one. If we look all the way back to Iron Man, the first MCU film, and then we look all the way forward to now having seen Endgame, did your ranking of the characters change? As you think about your favorite or least favorite characters, after these, these um, 10 years of 22 films,
2: do you feel remarkably different about any of these heroes? So first, yes but also I'm going to use the time stone and go back to what you just finished saying and I think part of it is we've been so conditioned that you know 22 movies in that we're waiting okay what's next what's next what's the easter egg at the end what's the what's they're the, going to be the reveal so I think when you come to there you're like oh no that's there's nothing more so you're kind of it kind of maybe kind of changes it a little bit from what you've been used to but that being said I can see what you're saying after the first viewing because uh, after a couple more, there was other things I noticed or stuff that I that I, that I hadn't kind of caught on to or I was so I was so in the moment and like on the edge of my seat that I didn't get a chance to relax and notice some of the things in the background. But I, I, I get what you mean after that first viewing. Okay, so first off, I've, for the longest time, I've always been a Captain America fan. And so, you know, first we obviously had Iron Man and then I, I, it's been so long, but I remember them, I, I want to say they announced the other two movies afterwards, but I remember being feeling uh, a little disappointed that Thor was going to come out first because mm-hmm. I, li- I liked Iron Man so much. I was like, oh, why are they going to do Thor first? You know, I want to see Captain America. Um, I obviously still went and saw Thor, and um, I liked it more than I figured I would. Um, I think that's indicative of a lot of the movies. I know I felt that way initially about um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I said, well, Marvel hasn't disappointed me yet, so g- I'll give him a shot, and man, that thing blew me away. So I I kind of I've put my faith in them. And even though this is only the second movie in in the universe, I still I enjoyed it. Um, But as far as ranking after Ragnarok, Thor just shot up from from what I felt as far as characters and Mm. where I ranked them. Um, Obviously, with Infinity War and Endgame, um, I don't know if it was. Well, no, I I know for sure it was the humor and it seemed like he was more than just I'm a god and I can do this and I can do that. He had. There was more emotion to him there was there was more levels to him like he was more of that uh that shrek onion that you unpeeled and have more levels to him (laughs) so i think that made a huge difference for me um and i'm a thor fan i'm i'm banging that drum that i hope there's a thor 4 i hope there's he's in guardians of the galaxy like i i don't want him to leave the mcu i mean as much as i don't want any of the characters to leave the mcu i know at least that there's still a hope that he's going to be there um that's awesome uh and then secondly as far as remarkably remarkably different as a character um clint hawkeye ronin however you want to refer to him um and i think it's more of a perspective thing for me because i mean if you think about it absent supermen and superwomen and superpowers he'd arguably be one of the baddest dudes on the planet Mm -hmm. i mean he's i mean he's surgical with that bow i'm i'm leaving (laughs) out the uh the direct quote from training day but he's surgical with that <laughs> bow he i mean he he'll, he can take on people and he's hand to hand there's so many things he can do if you didn't have him i guess juxtaposed to all these super powered people you'd you'd i'd watch that movie so yeah, um, yeah i think that's so that really changed again it's just a perspective thing it changed how i looked at hawkeye i think without this movie i maybe wouldn't have seen it that way but the way his his character changed and he went psycho i guess for lack of a better way of saying it i mean and who among us wouldn't after losing everything i mean a certain amount of emotion just takes over and just there you go absolutely um, i just i just like the way they, they gave him they did him justice and made him a badass in this movie I, I, after everyone was established as being a badass pretty much throughout all the movies
1: ronin. sorry i got i got a full full ronin chub after uh after ray's little talk there about hawkeye because really the first part of that movie was just because we haven't seen him. He was not there in the last movie, so it was like, hey, this is what's going on with our guy, Hawkeye. Uh, so for me, it didn't really change my list that much, especially favorite, because mm. I don't know if you guys have ever played this ar- arcade game, but it's one of my favorites ever, but it's Marvel versus Capcom. Oh, yeah. And you would get three guys to pick, so you're like top three favorites versus someone else's top three favorites, and I would be always marveling it up. I- I'm I'm a Marvel snob, so I'll be like, and I don't care about these other characters, so my first three would always be War Machine, my favorite guy ever, which I think Don Cheadle has been amazing through all these movies. He might not be on the top three guy or right in the front, but his arc is mm. special to me because of my love for him, mm. and I feel like he's gotten like a slow burn evolve, so that I think he's obviously going to be around for at least a few more movies, um, just because I feel like he's going to either team up with Captain Marvel or some sort. There seemed to be something there when, when you see the part where they're all using the glowy technology to, to uh, talk with Nat at, at Avengers headquarters, there's a little look between the two of them before, when they talked to Nat about, uh, about Ronan, technically not Hawkeye anymore, Ronan killing off a bunch of cartel guys in Mexico city. And just that look real quick is like, huh, maybe there's a little chemistry, they're friends or something like that. And actually in the comic books at one point, there was a storyline where Rhodey and Carol Danvers, because of their military history, did have a relationship. So maybe there's going to be, I don't know MCU doesn't be, seem to be big on relationships ever since Disney took over, but um, cause like Jane Foster and all that stuff in the beginning is pretty much <laughs> gone. The only thing we got fan service wise here was Peggy Carter, but there might be a little something there. So, like I said, the team up with with Captain Marvel would be cool. Um, but the other guys, we obviously talk about a lot. The guy that I'm very curious with, and I think, to me, Professor Hulk,
0: mm.
1: lies up the list in this movie because he's quirky. He's the best of both worlds. He's best of Bruce Banner. He's the best of the Hulk. He's not Hulk smash this, Hulk smash that. He's very... <laughs> He, he's got personality and he's got style. He's like, hey, I'm wearing shirts now, guys. Like, The Hulk <laughs> shoots up in this movie, and honestly, I think he's going to be around for a little bit longer. There's probably going to be a, maybe some sort of team-up movie at the end of Phase 4 or maybe some sort of duo-type thing going on where Professor Hulk needs to show up because we didn't get any closer with him in a way because he just became a character in this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, True uh for me black widow and hawkeye both skyrocketed up onto my list because like like kind of ray you were talking about like hawkeye was sort of like man who cares right like i mean he doesn't do much he's just he's not that interesting this movie made him super interesting i loved it um also really liked the interplay between him and black widow i think scarlett johansson had a lot more to do in this role because she's so emotionally conflicted throughout all of her time on screen thought that was fantastic um tony actually moves a couple points higher on my list which he was already really high on my list but he moves a little bit higher uh cap probably stays about the same place um obviously his moments are great moments uh but he probably stays about the same overall thanos moves down a little bit because i did not realize that they were going to take the godlike thanos with the infinity gauntlet and basically not
2: deal with that at all in this film that was a little bit surprising <laughs> to me Who's going to watch the Hawkeye show if they didn't make him badass before this movie ended? Exactly. Great point, right? I mean, Now I'm I'm in on watching that show. Whereas I might have just waited, I'm in. I, like I want to see that show. Whatever it is, I want to see. 100% in agreement with you. 100% to, in agreement. To
1: tag with along me. on that. I'm actually really curious to see who ends up being Kate Bishop in this storyline. Is it going to be his uh, his daughter or is it going to be someone else? Cuz it's mm. almost like a tease in the beginning where they show him Showing her, hey, you're gonna learn how to, you're (laughs) gonna learn how to do this just like your dear old
0: dad. So I'm gonna pick up on a couple things. Um, One thing that I'm okay with them moving him into kind of like I'm gonna call him Jolly Green Banner because that's kind of what it seems like to me. I'm okay with them moving into that. Hey, (laughs) Tony just referenced that. Pedal vegetables. I'm out. (laughs)
1: Tony referenced it. Fair game. Yeah,
0: yeah. i'm okay with that but I, I i'm kind of uh i'm kind of bummed out that we didn't get a bigger whiter character arc for the hulk mm. um because i think i mean the strength of the hulk's character to me is the fact that he loses control and banner hates that he loses control but also realizes that there are times when he loses control and needs to become the hulk so he can defeat bad guys and you've got that interplay going but the they've never really explored that interplay in the MCU to the point where I would have liked them to so I'm a little bit bummed that they've moved him on to this new uh, jolly green banner this fast um, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit iffy on that part of it but Nick you've read more comics than I have so Probably. the fact that you know like hey this is cool this is gonna be a good storyline that gives me confidence last comment I'll make on the characters um, the I love I actually Thor moves up for me I really Definitely. enjoyed what they did with Thor he's been this kind of I've I called him on previous shows when we did the evolution of Thor I've called him a frat boy and now we <laughs> yes, finally you get to see that persona <laughs> breakdown you know and I love that I love the fact that he's he's a guy that actually has to deal with a lot more emotional things like I think that that's fantastic um I will say that I'm not a hundred percent sure um i think it was i think it was helen o'hara that said he's he's perfectly suited to be in the guardians now because they're kind of like a ragtag group of people who are broken and i agree with that but the only thing that i'm a little bit hesitant about is what he'll do to the dynamic there i think he worked out great in infinity war because it was hilarious to see him and peter but um i don't know if they can keep milking that or not so I'm, i'm 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 nervous about that
1: I agree to an extent, um, but I think that's more due to the end of Endgame. He's more accepting, and he is, as I said to you the other day, Jay, he is who he is, and he kind of says that at the end, because he obviously has a conversation with his mother in the past, and he basically becomes more accepting of his failure, so he becomes more accepting of himself. So that's kind of why he gets rid of that whole frat boy persona, because it's not what he's expected to be anymore. He's just going to be what he is or who he is.
0: And the scene the scene that you just referenced where he talks to his mom is an amazing scene. Oh, my scene. God.
2: And it's exactly what uh, he needs at that time. I, yes. I really love that. So Thor moving up, do you like melted ice cream Thor? Or <laughs> do you like just Thor? And I say serious question because I say in also, but I feel like part of it, and I, this is after viewing it more than once, is yeah. now there's a superhero that's a god of thunder, and he looks more like the guy that's in, you know, row seven of the theater that's watching the movie. I'm and the that's kind of cool. god of thunder, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so many people are going to cosplay as Thor now because they don't have to really <laughs> do anything. Just go buy a burlap sack or something and put it on as a shirt, and you're good to go.
1: The question you, is, is people cosplaying as Thor, will, will they – Will they know that it's Thor, or will they be sitting there thinking, okay, so who's this weird-looking Big Lebowski guy? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: it serves two purposes, maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I actually really I, – um, I hope that they, that they utilize him in this state a little bit more. And, and I say that because what I didn't like about Thor – and we talked about this on the podcast when we talked about Thor – is that the frat boy persona was just getting old to me. It was like this guy who he's kind of super-privileged – He's got all of his muscles and his abs and everything, and he kind of still stays arrogant and now we're seeing a Thor. Um, and it was so funny to me that, that, it, that they chose this because when we talked about the infinity war on the infinity war podcast with Helen, one of the things I said was I'm like, everything in Thor's life has gone wrong. Even though he thinks he's, he's done everything right. Everything he could possibly do has backfired on him. So to see him in this state, what I love about it is that it's true to life. Somebody who is going through a lot FL in their yeah. life, um, they're not going to be able to take care of themselves the way that Thor takes care of himself. You, you just can't do that. You, you can't if you're going through significant periods of anxiety and depression. You're not going to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm also going to go to the gym every day. I mean, like, this is <laughs> not going to happen. So it's realistic. I mean, this is like this is Definitely. this is um, this is true to life. And I, so I hope that they stick with it a little bit longer because I think it's more compelling that way,
2: you know sure and i, I think yeah. it's a lot su- it's surprising to the people who haven't seen them look like that yet they, you know and as far as in the movies like what, what's going on over here yeah
0: totally <laughs> totally totally and i think that there was there's some comments about you know whether or not it they were they were having some fat shaming and things like that and i think um i think that the lesson i took from it was that those comments did not seem to be bothering thorpe at annoying. all yeah at all yeah and so I don't think you can just take those comments and then apply those comments to somebody else in real life, because mm-hmm. I think I would think that, um, that that would be hurtful to people. But in the context of the film, um, I don't think that that people are shaming Thor and it, Thor doesn't take it as a shameful thing. Right. So I think it's not I, that, that was my personal take on it. If Thor had reacted in a different way, I might feel a little differently about that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it bothers him. I think we need a scene, though. I think we need a scene in Galaxy uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three, where uh, Peter Quill is using his new Bowflex and he, he invites <laughs> Thor into his workout. That's what we need. We need I'm gonna that scene. A, I'm going to commit. I'm going to get I'm a Bowflex <laughs> with a sandwich in one that. hand. <laughs> Beer in uh, the other. <laughs> Daryl talked about what moments made you cry but I'm going to slightly change that to what moments for you were the most meaningful and what made them meaningful. So Nick, why don't you jump into that?
1: For me, one of the most meaningful things is when we have the San Francisco card go across the screen and we have Scott Lang come back and he's just not understanding what's going on. Mm. Doesn't know what time it is. And just the look in his eye when he's looking at teenage Cassie and Cassie's like in shock Because he just, like, freaked out. Like, I would have an existential crisis, too, if I was looking at my name on some sort of, like, memorial, thinking I'm vanished. And, like, that connection that... They don't even say, really, anything. But you, you can just look... And it goes back to what I said about Paul Rudd being Scott Lang. You look at how Scott is looking at Cassie, and you just... You feel the emotion in the scene, and you see... Just the way they connect and just stare at each other, and that's part of the cinematography, but at the same time, you get the emotion just from the look, and that moment was just so meaningful, because it just meant, okay, something big happened, my daughter's like a grown teenager now, what's going on? And that just kind of catapults the rest of the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: My second one, and this one probably is another one, maybe not on everyone's list, so everyone comes back, and one of the biggest points Tony made when talking about getting the stones and making the snap unhappen and everyone's alive was, hey, we're going to keep it five years in the in the future. We're not going back in time. We're not turning it back. Like, I, he needs Morgan. There's no changing that. So the big thing for me on that is that end scene where Peter Parker is walking in to – school and he just has this bummed look on his face and to me like that's a very meaningful moment cuz he's probably sitting there thinking man my friends have probably all been st- been like off to college now mm. and i'm still at this age cuz hey guys dust doesn't age i had a mm. friend of mine say well shouldn't he be in college now and it's like No, he's not in college because he was not alive. So five years (laughs) happened without him. He came back from five years ago now. So, like, that meaningful turn and you see Ned, another scene where there's not a lot of actual talking, but you just go, okay, I'm ready for that next Spider-Man movie because you see him seeing Ned and being excited because, hey, I'm not alone. And that's the biggest thing about these Avengers movies. They're not alone. Heck in Infinity War, when Scarlet Witch is about to go into battle, um, she's like, You're gonna die alone and basically Black Widow and Okoye come up from behind her, like, She's not alone. So, like, <laughs> that type of feeling. He is not alone anymore. His best friend is there for him. And the cool thing in kind of kind of a way I and mean, so I don't know if you guys have heard this either, but for Far From Home, they have basically said that a hundred percent of Peter Parker's friends even though it's 50 in the universe, 100% of Peter Parker and his friends were dusted, so uh, that I didn't hear that. It, it, I heard this not long ago. One of the oh. writers said it. Um, that so they basically can pick up that storyline from where they left off, because they all are still that same age. They're all still in high school. They're still all they're still all in that like academic challenge type team and all that. So they're all they're all going to be able to still grow with Spider-Man and those Spider-Man stories. So to me, that was very meaningful because we're mm-hmm. talking about Endgame, We're talking about the end of it, but we're also going, Hey, there's going to be more. So we need to set up more. And here's these kids that we love and are going to grow together. But that's, that's number
0: two. I mean, Ned is one of my favorite sidekicks in the MCU. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I yeah that that's a, that's a fantastic moment and you're right probably not a popular one that a lot of people have thought about but it's a really great moment.
1: All right, my last moment. This is you know what? Can I just save my last moment for the end because it tees off the next question? Unless oh yeah, yeah. We can save
2: yours. Yeah, Ray. Let's get yours. Let's get yours. Okay, so like you, I do have three. Um, I'm a bit emotional, so they're uh, you, you'll, you'll love this, Jay. They uh, they might all be a tie. <laughs> oh no! They're all gonna be a tie. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, um, <laughs> we're not so, playing um, soccer here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I could come up with a lot more, but um, my three are all in the final battle scene. Actually, for me, um, one of the big ones was the uh, unspoken uh, "I can do this all day" moment. The cat pad, while he was going heads up with Thanos, he's beat to crap. Thanos is essentially taking his best shot, and you know he freaking had he wielded Mjolnir, he brought lightning down on him. His shield's all beaten up. When he lays down on the ground, he straps that thing up nice and tight, takes a deep breath, and gets his ass back up. You know, it, yeah, it's just, it's so, awesome. it's so strong. We've all been beaten in life some way, but you keep plugging away. You know, this man's facing what, at that time, he figures is likely certain death. And Thanos' army is just staring him in the face, and he's on an island. And the next thing, you know, on your left. And I was that's like, awesome. oh, yeah. so awesome.
1: I want to kind of like pose a quick question with what Ray just said, because because he mentions the whole um, Mjolnir being wielded by Cap, and something that I, I've discussed with friends especially is, you know, in Ultron he just budges it, and I, I don't know if you guys agree or if there's another theory you might have, but mo- the consensus seems to be that, okay, he's confesses his sins in Civil War, he is, he is now pure again by telling, you know, hey, I know Bucky killed Tony's parents and we know back in Winter Soldier when he's talking to Armin Zola it comes across the screen when a bunch of stuff comes across so like he's known for a while and talked to Tony plenty of times since so to me like to see that he is finally worthy that helps make that scene even more not just the whole you know I can go all day and on your left and all that all those beautiful callbacks but to me it's now like hey this is the cap you were meant to be and now you are truly worthy.
0: Mm. I have a slightly different take because I actually think I love that take, by the way. Uh, mine's going to be the exact opposite of that, but I actually really like that take too, because basically you're talking about a character arc, which is really fantastic. But I actually have a take that said that I think that Captain America could have, would have been worthy of wielding millionaire or Mimio <laughs> yeah. Um, Cuz I can't pronounce millionaire anyways. Um, it took me forever <laughs> to learn how to write it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't correct. I think he could kind. have lifted that hammer even before he was a super soldier. And I think that it is hmm. it is a leadership move for him never to lift it until end game because I think he's trying to say I know I'm worthy of this thing. I know mm. I can so use first. this. Okay. But I want to see I want to see Thor live into it. I want to see Thor tested in other ways, and I'm not going to test him in this way until we can really team up together in the final battle.
1: You know, that theory kind of goes back to First Avenger for me because the way you say that it's non-Super Soldier Cap where he's just Steve Rogers, scrawny little guy from Brooklyn. Um, And I I think the scene where they're trying to get the flag and whoever gets the flag will get to ride with Peggy in the Jeep back to the base instead of going through the drills. And that's similar in a way to this whole, is he worthy or not? Because he's like watching these guys just run up this pole, and it's like, guys, there's a screw right here. I'm yeah. going to be smart and just pull this. Hey, here's the flag. See you later, y'all.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. What are your other two moments, right? So next one, uh, again, I'm like trying to go chronologically, yeah, is yeah. when uh, Tony sees Peter and, you know, Peter's just being a... He's an overzealous teenager and talking his ear off. And, hey, you remember when I faded away? and Blah, blah, blah. All Tony <laughs> wants to do is hug the kid. All he wants yeah. to do is hug him, hold him, oh and just God, squeeze yes. him. And I, I think part of me, and I just, again, digging a little deeper, part of me feels like that's kind of the hug he really wanted to give his dad back in 1970. Like, he, oh, knows, yeah. he knows what it's like to be a dad now and be there for his child now. And he kind of had that kind of father-son bond with Peter before he actually had a child. And so now he's loved and lost, so to speak, and now he's got him back and I think just that, that emotion just takes over like the battle can wait for half a second. I need I need I need to hug you. I need to tell you I missed you and I loved you, man. Yeah, I that moment is
0: outstanding. The, the what we were left with when we were when we left Infinity War was so horrific. Uh, with P, with Peter's fading. And now that we see them the we get to see that reconnection. Oh yeah, that was uh that was extraordinary. Love that moment.
2: Okay, Ray, what do you got? What do you got for okay. your top moment,
0: or your or your chronologically last moment? Yeah. So the
2: last one is um, Tony's death. I mean, that's. It, I know it seems like an easy one, but it's oddly. I didn't cry when I saw Strange put his index finger and, you know, kind of knew what that meant. That this is the one time. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't cry when he fell down in a heap. I think I was more more so just proud of him or for him um even though it was sad i just i just wanted to salute him because i was just like in awe like yes. you just did that like you i mean there was no second guessing it he jumped on that wire again and he just he just did whatever it didn't matter what that what the outcome was he just that's what was needed to be done and he did it um hmm. where i did lose it though, is and peter's trying to basically will him back and kind of bring him back to life and pepper's asking friday you know life you know how, how much life force he's gotten there or whatever it is i forgot the exact wording but Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then she just finally realizes and she tells him it's okay to rest. And I think anyone that's had to witness a loved one fight, you know, a losing battle or a potential losing battle with illness and had to basically say those words and how hard that's got to be. And and to show her strength to to say that and, and mean it and let him go is just I mean, it just cut me deep. Yeah, man. You just gave
0: me goosebumps just thinking about that. That was that's a fantastic scene.
1: The only things I have on that scene, obviously, we get the big fan service moment right there at the beginning of that part where he's just like, I am Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the, the thing for me, though, was that that scene had more meaning, not just what we're seeing on the surface, but it's a role reversal in a sense, because Cap's always been the sacrificial guy. He's laying it all on the line for everybody. He's the selfless one. Tony's the guy with the knowledge and the skills, and he's been like a playboy, philanthropist, whatever he likes to call himself, but a me guy in the end, and what I, I'm i saving what I care about, not the, basically the rest of the world, even though he kind of is playing it off as I'm trying to save the rest of the world. It's role reversal in the sense of he's going to sacrifice like what Cap would normally do, and that's honestly why I predicted Cap to die, because I thought, okay, Cap's the sacrificial guy. He will always be the guy where... It was a role reversal. Tony's had the life. He had that great five years with Morgan being the dad. He's finally done everything he can. So he's the one that's going to take the stones, sacrifice it, and win the day. And then Cap's going to turn around, and he's going to get the whole I get to have a lifetime now where Tony already had his.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) Um, So what I'm going to do is real quick, I'm going to go through my top three um, and then have you guys respond after I've given my top three. And then we'll go into Nick, your final one, um, before we transition to the next question. So my, my three are the, the first scene of the movie where Hawkeye loses his family. And it's basically it's, it's one of my talks. favorite scenes because it sets off a journey for Hawkeye that I didn't care about Hawkeye until that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And that moment is so powerful. I thought maybe he would lose his daughter or maybe lose half his family, but the fact that he keeps turning around and everyone's gone, um, and that's what causes him to go into full Ronin mode, is a magnificent plot device to get us to care about Hawkeye, like Ray said, to get us to care about the series that they're going to do about Hawkeye. Um, (laughs) I really, really, really enjoyed that moment, and it was a great setup because... We, we need to kind of be reminded at the beginning of this film how horrific the snap was and what better way to remind us yes. of that is to show the character that wasn't there experiencing it. Um, so I, I thought that was a magnificent moment um, obviously a heartbreaking moment uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of reason why that that matters. Um, my second one is Tony's funeral. Um, oof, the fact oof. that uh, the, when the flowers, are start to float out onto the lake and it says proof that tony has a heart Mm -hmm. around the arc reactor um i did an article i wrote an article i was inspired to uh not do a podcast normally you hear me talk but i wrote an article for the (laughs) storygeeks.com and it, it was all about how the most powerful moments in tony's arc because this is a guy who has changed drastically in multiple ways he's been He's been a a privileged asshole, quite frankly. He's been a a helper and a leader of the team. He's been somebody who's seeking accountability. He's been a substance abuser. He's been a mentor. And so to see him go through this, this dramatic change, and then we end the funeral, or not end the funeral, but we're in the middle of the funeral we see Tony's daughter's talking to Happy, and she goes, mm. "I want a cheeseburger." I mean, that moment alone Tears. was heartbreaking—just heartbreaking. So, so that's that would be those would be my two, and then my third is I'm gonna let Nick take over to talk about the third.
1: Yeah. So for the third one, for me, the reason why it was so meaningful, and it kind of leads into what I just said about Ray's moment about him being able to sacrifice. One of the big deals about being in Endgame, is you are, like, getting closure, as I said in the beginning, they're getting closure in different parts of their arc, and one of the biggest ones is the fact that Tony was kind of an a-hole, like, let's be honest, he was an asshole to his dad, like, you yeah, show, in the beginning of Civil was. War, yep. like, when he does the whole, they do the whole barf thing where he, like, brings back the moment that he last had with his parents before right. Bucky kills them, and he was... Like you, like you kind of said earlier, he's arrogant and all that other stuff. But like, he regrets it, and you see that in Civil War. You know, he just wants to like hug his father and just say, "Hey, you know, you're gonna do great," kind of thing. And I, I, I think, I think it helps also in Tony's arc that he never like becomes his dad. He does his own thing, and to go back and kind of see him talking. Howard, it, it, it's, it just kind of helps that closure, and on top of it, it kind of goes, okay, I made the right decision, I didn't go in and just be my dad, I did what I needed to do to help the world and be the Iron Man, and just seeing the hug and the emotion at the end in his face, like I said, just the looks, it's those looks that he they give each other because he's just in awe of his father in that moment because he knows he's going back home to see his wife with the flowers and the sauerkraut in his head <laughs> and he's just gonna be like hey you know and, and I, the thing i think i love the most about that scene is he doesn't like he doesn't ruin it by going oh you should name your kid anthony or tony or <laughs> you know he doesn't ruin it he he goes into it and like He's mumbling and stumbling in the hole, you know, I'm Howard Potts. Because, yeah, like, <laughs> he just stares at him like, Howard, like, oh, my God, I have this moment. I'm grabbing this moment with my father. And it's so powerful just the way they interacted and having that conversation to be able to close that door in his life.
0: Yeah, and another reason why that moment is so powerful to me, I agree with everything that you said. And one of the reasons it's on my list is one of the most powerful moments as well is because I don't think that Tony does what Tony does without that moment. So I don't think he snaps his finger and reverses everything and and causes his own death without the moment with his father. Yeah. So it's it's just perfect. Really perfect. So... Uh, we're going to jump into a question that Ray actually submitted himself. And this is a good jumping off point because we, the moment we just talked about Work. is uh, a really good jumping off po- point for this for this question. And you know that there is a Story Geeks fan when this is the kind of question that they submit. So thank you, Ray. This is a fantastic <laughs> question. Um, but Ray asked, if you had a few moments with a loved one who passed away, uh, Tony and Cap both get those. Hawkeye almost gets that when he's r- when he runs back trying oh, to get yeah, into the house. Right before he's pulled back. Yeah. Um, if if you had that moment um, but you knew you couldn't change anything while you were with him. So you can't alter the timeline, you can't change anything that's going to happen down the road. How would you spend the time with your loved
2: one? And then Ray, I'm going to turn it over to you to answer your own question first. Oddly enough, I was my question, I had I had trouble thinking of the answer that I that I really felt was real, but so I I went with I kind of went logically. I said, "I I think I'd want to wait to hear what they had to say to me, like mm. instead of me just spewing. Like, I have so much to tell you. This happened. To, I've got you know so many years left in the world while they've been gone. I maybe I should just shut up and listen. You know, yeah. I just what 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 do you want to tell me? Because I, I don't know how much time we've got. But so yeah. whatever you've got in your mind, you tell me. Yeah. Um. Uh. I you know so all that being said, if there was the time allowed, I want them to know that hopefully things are okay. You know, there's good days and bad days, but. There's still more days to be had, so, um, you know, I'm okay. I wish you were still here physically, but you're still here with me where it counts. So, I mean, however, long, however much time we get together, that's great. And when it ends, um, you know, I won't regret it. Mm, that's awesome. That's really awesome to be able to just sit there and listen
0: and be with them. That's yeah. awesome. What do you think, Nick?
1: I, I'm in similar veins there with Ray because my notes, what I was thinking about this, I, I was very, like, in tune with the being humble, be listen. Take in the moment, just like the atmosphere around you when you're in that moment too. Just remembering how it felt will key on for the emotion that they're playing on in the movie. What you're trying to get when you're with that loved one, like I can remember random moments when I when I used to be babysat by my grandmother, where we one of the, one of my favorite moments was just sitting at the table and eating cantaloupe with ice cream in the middle. And mm. I know I'm weird for that, but it's amazing. It, and awesome. <laughs> it, it does sound awesome, but like we would just sit there and just eat and you know enjoy each other's company. So like it didn't have to be us talking about everything. But like if I had another moment like that, it would be great because I would just be taking in that moment at the table and we would just be having fun together and it would it would be about that atmosphere and what we were doing in that moment, not just oh my god, this is what's gonna happen to me, this is what's gonna happen to you. All this, yeah. like I couldn't do that. I it would be more about making that moment for us
0: cheeseburgers yeah, <laughs> yeah cheeseburgers exactly cheeseburgers uh, you know I, when they, when you asked this question Ray I thought about it and I, and I realized that um as I as I processed the question I realized that I would act like different characters depending on where I was in life because if you asked me this question the same question you know before I'd experienced a lot of loss in my life I'm not, and I'm not going to pretend I've experienced a lot of loss, but I've experienced enough of it now to change my answer to the question. That's fair. Um, but when I first thought about it, I thought, oh, you know what? I would totally have been like Peter. I would have been like, you wouldn't believe what happened. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be wanting to talk. I'd be wanting to share. I'd be wanting to 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 talk with them <laughs> to have to have words that are exchanged. <laughs> um, but now that I've lost people, I think that my answer would change pretty drastically because now. I would just want to embrace them. I I would just want to. You kind of talked about it, Ray. Like I just want to be here in the moment with you, and I just want to share and embrace. I just want to look into your eyes, and I want to communicate that I love you. And that's it. That's all I want to do. So I I turn from like I turn from from Peter to kind of then turning into a little bit more like Tony, where there are some words, but the words are meaningful, and then there is an embrace at the end. To then being really more like uh, Cap and Peggy and there's just this picture of them dancing and that's yep. that communicates everything you need to know because everything is there in that dance that they need to say to each other and they don't need words for that so
1: it's funny you bring up that dance and all all of those type of moments too because if you think about it cap in a previous movie buried peggy and it is kind of stealing a moment with a loved one in the past, even though he goes off and buries her and actually gets to experience that life. But it's, I love what you're going with with the embrace, because that hug and just holding that, that person is just more powerful than anything else. Really?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Words are not always the best way of conveying emotion. Right. And uh, that's a lesson I've had to learn over my entire life as a person who talks <laughs> a lot. <laughs> we don't know anything about that. What are you
1: talking that's about, right. Jay? I don't that's know. Right.
2: <laughs> so that's why you wrote uh, the article. <laughs> yeah, that's why I wrote the article. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he, was, he was
1: crying too much, so he didn't want to talk through the tears. Yeah, so
0: exactly. He was like, I got to exactly. write
1: this, guys. So I got to write it down.
0: You have to part, pardon the typos from all the tear filled eyes that I was trying to, trying to write.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tra- transition us into our fifth question. This is more of a plot-driven question, yes. so I'm going to pull us right out of the emotions and pull us right back into the plot. Um, nice. And I'm just going to preface this by saying that um, as somebody who's written a time travel story, and this is a complete shameless plug, um, <laughs> plug we plug, are plug. yeah, we are re-releasing uh, Time Slingers on July 19th, um, and we have an audiobook version of it now as well. So if you're into time travel, definitely pick that up. July 19th, it's called Time Slingers, and it'll be on Amazon. Or if you support us on Patreon for three dollars a month or more, you can get the digital Hello. version or the audiobook versions, what, which are what? free to you. Yeah, for being a patron of ours. Um, so both of you guys get to access that for free. Uh and based maybe on a podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and you get to be on a podcast, why not? Oh yeah, yeah it's awesome.
1: Be a Patreon. You get to be on a podcast with Jay and talk about something you love. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um but my question to you guys is this yes. what did you think about the use of time travel? And what was the best part of their approach to time travel? And what was the worst part of their approach to time travel?
1: So the best part for me, I'm going to start with the best, because I actually have more to talk about on the best than than the worst. Mm. Um, The best for me is instead of like... I I love Back to the Future, and I love the doc and all that. And I, I, I feel like some of the stuff that they were trying to go off was real. But at the same time, it sounded like they were... They were trying to make up stuff on the fly to make it sound sciency, <laughs> and yeah, it's science. So it very yeah, 80s. Come on, you know that that's the thing. So like to me, it was very this movie. However, with the plot being driven into time travel, they were like, okay, we're gonna use real quantum physics. We're going to have Tony test this out on an inverted Mobius strip. You're going to see real things, and he even name drops David Deutsch in one point, and also is talking about the Planck scale, and it makes sense, because it's real. This is stuff, if you went to a scientist and said, hey, let's talk about quantum physics, <laughs> like, they would know what Tody Stark is talking about, or doing, like, they would understand it, and to me, like, that realism really drives it for me, because it's not, like, some surreal, made-up thing that, you know, might not be able to ever happen. I mean, it could be all kind and we're not actually ever going to get it anyways, but to me, just having the realistic view on the quantum physics, that drives it a lot for me. And also, it kind of, like, makes sense that Ant-Man is the guy in this, because, like, the Planck scale, it's really small. It's very Mm. small. A Planck length is really, 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 really small. So, like, Ant-Man, really small! He's the guy talking about quantum physics and becomes really, really small. So, be that that's that just that just makes it even more special watching this real live quantum physics happening in front of your face and also one last thing about the best parts about it when he when when Tony Stark is looking at that inverted Mobius strip and running that test that he has and the face and that look that look he has when he's like by God I got it,
2: <laughs>
1: it it's just perfect because it's a little more emotion that like hey, I'm not done. That whole, like, he can't rest because you know he, that, that tick is in him. He's not, he's not going to be able to sleep. And Pepper says that line where it's like, are you going to be able to sleep? And you know his answer is no. Because we've seen him not be able to sleep in his rest. PTSD from First Avenger. So for yeah. me, the best parts is all that realism on Tony going at it and all, all the real stuff that he does to make real time travel in this movie.
2: So, I guess, I mean, obviously, so many questions, I mean, that kind of get that out of the way, that's given. Um, I think anyone that saw leaked photos or, you know, read fan media or speculation articles pretty much knew that tram- time travel was coming. Um, I think that being said, though, I don't think anyone would have guessed it was going to take five freaking years later. Um, <laughs> that was kind of a gut punch. I, when it started, you know, it started display at five, I was, okay, five days, five weeks, five five years I was like, wow, that's yeah. that's a lot to have to think about what they went through for five long years. That was an emotional family. moment too. Yeah. Um, so I, of course, the, like like the way it was introduced. Um, I like that it wasn't perfected right away. Um, you know, man, going old, young, and then baby. You know, that was pretty awesome. Um, I even like like you were saying. I think that I, I peed. I, yeah, one of us peed exactly. I <laughs> think it would have been me. <laughs> Um, Like you said, I even like that they try to explain how everything we think we know about time travel is horse crap. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, if uh, one of those future sports talent experts would come by for me, though, you know, I I'm sure I'd I'd check into one like Back to the Future. (laughs) Um, The Cubs uh, in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think anyone would be tempted to opportunity to write a perceived wrong or otherwise change something. Um, I just like how Tony always had the the caveat you know we discussed earlier. You know, bring everyone back. But don't change you know what's happened to me um of course he didn't want to lose his daughter obviously and the family he's gained you know post snap so um i think stuff about stuff like that as far as the time travel goes you know what if i done this or what if i hadn't done this and then it kind of gets me thinking well you know if you change one thing that butterfly effect thing if you change one thing maybe i don't meet my wife or maybe you know I, who knows what happens so that whole that's just a whole nother pandora's box open of what could ha- possibly change with timelines and change things. So I guess mm-hmm. when it's just one of those paradoxes that probably bewildered, you know, people a lot smarter than me. So um, for me, that's, that's my best part. Just all the variables mm-hmm. in it. Nice.
0: Nice. So Nick, what was, what were some of your less things you liked less?
1: So the things I liked less about the time travel part in the, in, in this, in this movie was certain little questions like Ray just said that I had, that it doesn't seem like it got it got answered at all, because now I'm curious, is Loki still alive? Is this another mm. tangent? Like, when, when uh, Tilda Swinton's The Ancient One was talking to Bruce Banner and talking about the timelines from the stones, like, they're all planted here, and you're creating new timelines. So, regardless, you are starting new alternate universes. There's a multiverse now here, because you have two Thanoses that died in one movie. Two different timeline Thanoses, because one's twenty fourteen. He couldn't die in twenty fourteen, and they call it the grandfather paradox. You can't go back and kill your grandfather, and and Bruce does say this in the point at one point. He he says like if you go back in time and like killed your grandfather or whatever. He didn't say it that way, but that's the reason why they call it the grandfather paradox. What was your present becomes your past, and you your past is like your future now, so it's like ho- totally different timeline that you're on at that point in time because it's not likely that you're going to get back to that old future similar to kind of like what they do in back to the future Two, i guess is a good way of putting it and mm. you have that you have that new biff kind of thing because he did the whole like ray said betting on, on the sports almanac and i i think one of the things for me especially was um he, i i'm quick i'm smart but like it's quantum physics, man, like, I I gotta, like, sit down and read it for a little bit before, like, I can, (laughs) like, get, so, like, with how well-paced the movie is, you don't have enough time to, like, fully digest exactly how they get to go back in time, in a way, because as soon as he figures it out, it's like, okay, I'm back at the Avengers Complex, Rocket just helped me fix this thing, and made made sure that I know that I'm not the most smartest man in the universe, I might be just the most smartest man on this Earth, but, they come so quick from, hey, we, are, we assembled the team again. We have this machine. Let's go. And to me, like, maybe digging deeper in that story, which we'll talk about later, um, mm. digging deeper into that would have maybe helped the audience, the regular Joes like me, that would be like, okay, hey, I don't fully understand where you're going with the time, with the time travel, but mm. we're gonna, just going to go with what you just said.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. That's really good. What do you think, Ray? What are some of the things that you,
2: you know, are concerned about in regards to the time travel? So my concerns are, they're not really complaints on execution per se, but um, more so just because I want to know all the things that are in the MCU. So naturally, my biggest thing is the the timeline questions. Like, I feel Mm. like after, you know, 22 movies, we've had 11 years now, and I think we've all learned that nothing is a throwaway line in any of these movies. So (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Never, ever, anymore. uh, yeah, she included that through line of what changes when you, uh, you know, take one of the stones away and how it alters the timeline and another reality. I feel like that's going to come back to roost somewhere down the line. Mm. Um, so in that vein, that being said, you know, you have Loki that now, like you said, has a Tesseract again somewhere. We don't know where or when. So I think that gives us our Disney Plus show. So there's our second setup for another Disney Bingo. Plus show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Cap went back to take the, take back the stones. He left with the owner on on the platform, which we have no reason why he would, but he does, cause he can carry it now. So, he comes back years later. He meets them. He he you know at the lake, and he doesn't have millionaire, but now he has a new shield that mm-hmm. was demolished in battle. So, where did that come from? How many timelines did he just create or change? <laughs> um, yeah. And bearing all that as a lead, he went back in the time and stayed. You know. So what does that do to everything? It's just there's right. so many things that, and I know I I. I discuss that with you or with you guys be offline is that i'd totally been for a movie or, or a tv show that showed what happened and you know when he went back and those five seconds for them but however many years it took to take everything back and go to all the places did he see red skull did he see loki somewhere you know um it just you know it's it like one of my big things was so he goes back and meets Peggy. Does she still help found Hydra? Does it st- or sorry, <laughs> does find, found Shield and does it still remain Hydra, knowing what he knows? Um, mm-hmm. you know, That's does he valid point. does he peel himself out of the ice and the other timeline? You know where he was mm-hmm. buried. You know, mm-hmm. there's does Nick Fury still have an eye? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, okay, like, now yes. we're going ridiculous here. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's so many. Farkins be damned. <laughs> Um, and then, so and then, my other thought just went to, so now that we have time, these different timelines, do is that how I know I've seen it somewhere else? So it's not my own, you know, original thought. But is that how we get mutants instead of just in humans? You know, is that how we're gonna welcome all the the Fox properties in? You know, um,
1: possibility.
2: Yeah, I had I had a thought that you know does that five years being gone is now do we have the first family that does something to get their powers? Now we have the Fantastic Four. You know, like mm. there's just. There's just so much stuff. And I'm sure we'll get answers in other movies and that'll all come. But I just want to know now, like, Kevin Feige, just whisper it in my ear. I won't tell anybody, you know, just I, I want to know. <laughs> you know, so. And, um, uh, yeah, so, again, my thing was just a whole bunch of timeline things. And I, I, I kind of brought it up earlier, you know, for all of Peter's friends. Is that five hours for them? Did it feel like five years? What, you know, what everything, what happened?
1: So one of the things I was thinking about with Cap is there should be Uh-oh. some sort of paradoxical problem with Cap being alive twice in the same time. Technically, he's obviously in the ice, but like one one moment that has been stuck in my brains since this movie is the moment we get in Winter Soldier, where Cap goes back to see Peggy, and basically we're just like, oh, well, Peggy got married, had kids, and I, I, I can't remember the line exactly, but I think... Peggy says something along the lines of, Oh, you would like him. And it's like, well, it's, now we know it's cap. Maybe it's the same timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I did so, not think about it. Like, so like uh, my thought is, is like cap thinking, okay, I can't alter the future. They need, everything needs to happen for a reason so that I can get here to be with Peggy. So that's probably why we don't get this whole Hydra. Like, Oh, Hey, Armin's Hydra. This is going to happen. Like, He, I feel like he thinks, okay, I, if I want to get this life with her, I need to let everything that happens in the future happen. So he probably is sitting there thinking, okay, I can't, I can't talk about me in the ice. I can't talk about anything like this in the future. So I think that's part of the thing is like Cap at that scene is probably the old Cap is probably around somewhere, but he's probably thinking, okay, this is the day I come to see Peggy. So I need to am scram and get lost for like a couple of, uh. (laughs) couple of hours here so that he could hang out with her and get a little more motivation and move on and all this stuff on the next part of that story in winter soldier. So that's kind of my thought with cap is he purposely doesn't say anything or doesn't do anything because of the whole, you know, I I need Hydra to happen for other things to happen in my technically past life. His, Mm. his past, like Hulk says, his present is now the past and his past is now the future, in the way. So, the one thing I wanted to point out, because now that I know where my timeline was with Cap, um, because Ray mentioned he brought Mjolnir back with him, too. I mean, that's another thing. He needed to take Mjolnir and put him back, because if Mjolnir doesn't come back to the old timeline, the rest of Dark World doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. and we don't have hella break Mjolnir at the beginning of Ragnarok, so that still needs to happen at some point in time to keep up with Stormbreaker now being the only Thor weapon and going forward what we're going to have in the MCU.
0: That's good stuff. I I like all that. We almost could do an entire podcast about the implications of time travel. I took it in a slightly different direction um, because as a writer, what I'm always trying to figure out is how do I like the usage of it? So not not so much like what are the implications of it in the story, not inside the story, but rather how does it use as a gimmick. And so, for me, I'm glad they didn't overexplain it because one of the reasons I think Back to the Future is a near perfect film, maybe the most near perfect film we have, because it doesn't even attempt to tell you how the science works. It just says plutonium, DeLorean, go with it. <laughs> and it works. It works really, really well that way because time travel is ridiculous and it's we don't know what the implications of it, it would joke. be. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so I'm glad they didn't go super deep into time theory here. Um, like you mentioned, Nick, they kind of throw out these big words and people like you and me go, okay, well, whatever. That sounds like there's big words. Um, I was pretty surprised by it, I will say, because it's not disappointing. But I do think that time travel is becoming far too prevalent in storytelling. Um I say that as somebody who wrote a time travel novel, <laughs> right? That I would love for you to read. But at the same time, I encounter time travel far more off. So I encounter time travel all the time. So maybe it's just that I'm personally oversaturated by it. Um, but generally speaking i think that time travel is best when it's a central gimmick or a central theme like back to the future Mm. or when it's used in like a a one-off way that um it can't be replicated right because you see the time travel happen and then you don't have to deal with it in 10 other movies it just happens for that one time and we're not going to use it again because as you guys are talking about what are the implications and there's so many implications that it's almost best if it just happens the one time and we don't see it again Um, So it's interesting to me to see them use it here because it has so many implications. Um, You guys talked about multiverse, and you talked about all the specific examples of the ways that characters could or could not come back. I think MCU, the MCU and the way they use time travel here is somewhere in the middle of what I'm comfortable with. It's definitely not doing the super easy, like, oh, here's how it works. It's just like, just believe in it and don't worry about it. But it's also not doing the ridiculously... It's all about time travel. You should pay attention to all the time travel because that's how important it is. It's somewhere in the middle, and I think it kind of works. It works okay for this specific story, and it, it kind of subverts what we think is going to happen because we all thought it was going to be the time stone, right? And it's like, oh, it's not the time stone. Interesting. Hmm. So, uh, so I'm kind of like somewhere in the middle, but
1: I'm glad it wasn't a time stone. Honestly, L- just to point that out, I, I just, I'm glad it wasn't a time stone because I, I, I feel like. To get to the stones, you needed to have some sort of thing, and it was teed up well with Ant- Ant-Man and the Wasp. You knew it was going to be the Quantum Realm, but you needed something, a time vortex, like the, in the Quantum Realm. Because I feel like if it was the Time Stone, it would it would make it, it would cheapen the Time Stone a little bit, and on top mm. of that, the the gravity of what Thanos does in the beginning of the movie is ruined by having the Time Stone around to just undo that because if that because honestly if it's the time stone then you just use the time stone just before he blows up the rest of the stones and okay you don't blow up the rest of the stones we just took them all so
0: all right so we're going to transition into our last question we have a couple more questions that we are going to uh still be answering but those will be available on our aftercast. All of our patrons get access to our aftercast. Become a Patreon supporter. Do
2: it. Yeah, do it. Do it. So that's where all the good answers are going to be. That's where yeah. all the good answers yeah. are going to be. That's right. yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what Ray it's... and I have
1: been saving everything for. <laughs> so why are you even <laughs> listening to this? Go get the Patreon already. Come <laughs> on.
0: So the last question is this. Would you change anything about this film? And if you would change something about this film, what
2: would it be and why? Okay. So, yes. Yes. I've got two, and my changes are definitely 100% the geek in me, and they're pretty nitpicky, so bear with me. But one thing I change is I literally I want to know what that freaking sword or whatever Thanos has is made of. What metal? What? It, where is it from? It mm. cuts through his cap shield like it's a freaking tin can, you know. Mm. And, and that thing's taking blaster from Iron Man. It's taking bashes from Yoner. It's you know all this other stuff, and but it just sliced right through it. So I, I just Just, like I said, the geek in me wants to know what it's made out of. Um, I'm sure maybe they address it at some other point, but um, I think another bonus is then the MCU has established another powerful super super metal somewhere in the universe that maybe gets factored into another movie somewhere.
1: I have Mm. a theory. So Vibranium became part of Wakanda based on a meteor hitting Wakanda and enriching the ground. Maybe that meteor came from the planet from Thanos' sword or wherever Thanos' sword was created was that planet and that meteor fell out came flying towards Earth. But hey, that's just a theory. That's just kind of where I'm going with that.
2: I like that. I like that. Okay, so as I've established already, I've seen it four times. Two times, no bathroom breaks. So if you're scoring at home, I'm I'm batting 500 there. (laughs) <laughs> um, um, at the Memorial in San Francisco, I, every time I was looking for Easter egg in the names, you know, who, who was snapped away. Um, I feel like it would have been an interesting place to include some of the names that are now available through the Fox merger. Um, I think you could, even if it was, I can't Photoshop anything to get, save my life, but I feel like it would have been an easy digital ad to kind of just bury some names that we would recognize from that other universe that are now They were snapped away here, and then maybe with the alternate timelines, it just changes everything and introduces those people into it.
1: I think the one issue with that, though, is I think that Vanished Memorial was just the Vanished in that area, maybe. Ah, I I take it it as just everybody. And and that's the thing, like, if it is just that area, because, I mean, if it was everybody that you would need way more stones than what they had in that park. But I, I feel like if it's just that area, then maybe it's hard for them to do like, hey, we have these characters out in like New York City area or something like that, that we're going to throw their name up on a board in San Francisco. I mean, that's just my thought process. It just feels like yeah, the enough. way the stones are set up. It's just like the Bay Area vanished. But, um, okay, so my two, and this was, so, like we said earlier... This is a masterpiece. It's such an epic film. There's, it's really hard to change things because there's so much fan service in this movie. There's so much. There's so many beautiful moments. There's just like Ray was talking earlier um, with how you have that moment where you have the on the left and all that. That huge, that whole huge Avengers assemble scene. Like, there's so much beauty to everything. And, like, I've been pushing, like, the the quiet, emotional parts. It, it, it's one of those things that there's so... It's so hard to find spots. However, for me, the two spots at the end that I really, really, really want to change. Something Ray just wants to change, so uh, figure out is the Soul Stone. And it's something I was hoping so badly for was, okay, Cap goes into the suit. He goes back in time. He goes and puts the stones back away. And, and here's the thing. I kind of felt when he's going back in time, especially when you see that scene with him looking at Peggy, it's like, oh, this is definitely some foreshadowing here. Something's going to happen at some point where he's going to see Peggy. He's going to talk to Peggy. It might not be right in this scene, but there's going to be eventually a moment where he sees Peggy. So, my thought was, okay, he's going back. He puts the stones back. He puts Mjolnir back so the Thor movies can happen. I I was thinking, okay, he's going to put the Soul Stone back. He's going to go to the top. He's going to see Red Skull. He's going to throw the Soul Stone back down into that little circle area where we've seen now Black Widow and Gamora passed out everlasting sacrifice.
2: Awkward encounter, by the way. Yes, <laughs> that would be so weird.
1: Like, really, like... Oh, how you doing? I, 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 How's I, things? I you. Well, it, it, it's funny you say that, Ray, because like when, when Clint says, go tell us that a red-faced man, I'm like, no no, no, no cap emotion, no like, <laughs> huh? What red-faced man? He He's just so in the depth of losing uh, Natasha Romanoff that he's not thinking of, you know, I, I'm thinking about my friend. What did he just say? Um, so when he does put the Soul Stone back in Vormir, One of my curiosities, and my thought process was, yes, it might be an everlasting sacrifice, but if you throw the soul stone back, one of the theories was whoever you sacrificed is in the soul stone. So if you throw the soul stone back, that person comes back. In my opinion, that's what would be great, is like, okay, instead of seeing Cap come back on the platform, boom, you got Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow's back, and you have a new future Black Widow movie instead of what you we're probably going to have with this prequel that they're talking about with her, which I'm sure is going to be great. I'm going to go see it, but my thought process is, you know, bring her back on that platform at the end, and then you can tee up, like, hey, she's going to help run S.H.I.E.L.D., and she's going to have her own future adventure in a in movie at some point. Instead, we're probably going to get more of an origin story, and how we're probably going to get Jeremy Renner back in some shape or form, because they're going to instead of Budapest that's all yes I mean. that's what I was just gonna say we're gonna <laughs> see Budapest you know that's great because that's fan service too because we've heard about Budapest so many mm-hmm. times so I, we're gonna finally get to probably see that but for me it's like teeing up that next generation like I said with that Ned that Ned scene was okay if we got if we got Black Widow back instead of we'd get both the Captain America scene at the bench but we would get on the platform hey Black Widow's back and you would just see like You'd probably see the Hulk like light up like, hey, my friend's back. I loved her and all that. That would have been something I might have thought about changing in the future, but I get it. Contracts are up, even though technically she's probably got one more movie because of the prequel. I, I, I get that's kind of the real-world thought process of the MCU, but at the same time, to me, that would be a great addition. And I would have... I, I know it's a three-hour movie. It's it, it paced so well, though, that I feel like they could have added, maybe One fifteen, oh. maybe twenty minutes, max maybe a half hour of actually showing Cap's journey. Like, I feel like there would be some way of just showing that. That it could be like it could be like a short montage or even like, of just him going. Like it wouldn't be like quirky like a comedy montage, but just show a quick montage of him going. Hey, Ancient One, here's the Time Stone. Thank you. We won. Good luck teaching Doctor Strange in the future. You know, things like that. Like, it wouldn't even have to say anything to her. it would be like, oh, we're back. Two minutes later. Here's the Soul Stone. You just gave it to Bruce. I mean, not Soul Stone, Time Stone. Like, you just gave it, back. You gave it to Bruce. Here's it back. Something along those lines. Just being able to see what happened. I feel like, because the Russo in a recent interview has said, Hey, we're... There, there's, there could be something to that in the future. Like There's stories out there. I, I, I get being vague, but at the same time, I feel like they could have added just a little bit more time onto this movie and just shown a little bit for us. I'm
0: going to go through my list pretty quickly. Uh, so the first thing I have on my list is I, w- I don't think I would have gone with... Um, I keep calling him John- Jolly Green Banner, And only because... I would have liked to seen more character development. I would have liked to seen more Hulk movies and I know they couldn't do that. Nick, we talked about that yes. earlier. They can't do that. So I I, I I would have liked to seen him fighting those inner demons more and we didn't get that. So that would have been that would have been better in my book. Um, but I get it. Uh, I also think I would have gone with Hawkeye sacrificing himself instead of Black Widow and mostly because I think Hawkeye becoming Ronin is so cool that him dying in that moment um and her getting to continue on and seeing black widow in the okay. all women's hero shot oh my that gosh would have yes. been awesome right so like the fact that she's missing from that hero shot is kind of like oh it's kind of a bummer um and i think that, that hawkeye could have died in that moment and i would have been like yeah hawkeye died a badass so he, he went from being like oh he's okay to then being like I don't know, he's kind of forgettable to being like, he's the best, and then he dies the best. Save the world. Um, and we still would have gotten that, that series we were talking about, Ray, mm-hmm. where he's Ronin and he's doing all of the things ah. that he's doing. We still would have had that series, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind, of, I kind of would have gone that direction probably.
1: It's like a Darkest Timeline series. I love it. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, one idea I threw out on Twitter to solve both those two problems that I just mentioned would actually be – if um, what if Bruce Banner actually sacrificed the Hulk that would have been really fascinating um, and would have set up some really strange things but so the only last thing I would have probably not done just me personally um, I don't think I would have shown old cap Um, now now everything would have happened the same way he would have still been dancing with Peggy um i understand that there's there needs to be a moment where uh where the the legacy is transferred to falcon i get that i'm just not sure i would have done it with a visit from old cap i'm, I'm almost i almost feel like it would have been more powerful if they got like a package back in the um in the uh Time machine, the time travel machine, and they get it back, and they're looking at it, and he's looking through it, and he realizes that mm. Captain, the Cap, has transferred the legacy to him, like via like photos and stuff like that, or something. Uh, that nice. would have been really interesting. We could have True. even seen That's photos of Cap giving the stones back. Like you guys talked mm. about um and then no, like in postcards? that in that moment <laughs> was that i postcards? miss you from vormir. greetings from vormir <laughs>
2: <laughs> morag say hello awesome <laughs> uh, yes. that'd be an What's awesome extra lizards? on the dvd
0: or the blu-ray that'd that'd be that awesome. would be awesome <laughs> i think we need that now on disney plus I'm, I'm
2: gonna talk to one of my artist friends and see if he could do that that'd be great <laughs> yeah do
0: it do it that'd be epic so I, I would have ended probably with Cap and Peggy dancing. I think that mm, moment was okay. so awesome that I didn't need any more of that. Now, having said that, one of the things I would say that I would not change is that I do think that the legacy stuff was were really good choices. I think that Gwyneth Paltrow was a really... Now, I have to say, I'm not necessarily a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan outside of the MCU, but yeah, in the I'm MCU with Pepper Potts, she's awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people say that, right? Like It's yeah. like, we're not... But she was great in the Iron Man suit in the moment that. Oh, she that was has. amazing. Well, yeah, and, she was great.
1: And all the Avengers had basically assembled, and then, boom, that Iron Man type of move. Because her, her suit is almost like a Mach 1 in a way. Because it's like, well, not Mach 1 because that's the cave one. But you know what I mean? Like, it's more of an earlier Iron Man suit. Because it's kind of like when Iron Man 2, when he flies into the expo and just does that boom in the beginning of the movie. It's kind of what she did, and she's like, I'm here.
0: Yeah. How you guys doing?
1: Rescue is here.
0: Yeah. That was cool. That was so cool. Um and I think that that her moment she had where where she kind of moves Peter aside and and you guys talked about it earlier and she tells him he and tells Tony that he can go was a really powerful moment and sets her up really well as a really powerful strong character. Um even though she's experiencing those emotions herself. So, not sure about how that would look as like a like a an Iron Man movie where it's basically just Pepper. I'm not sure how that would look, but I, I I would watch it. I would be down to watch it and try it out. Valkyrie as Lady Thor oh, would be amazing. Epic. I'd be. I'm I'm in for that. I'm so in for that. I, they, I, think, I
1: think that's on the works.
0: Honestly, yeah, it's got to be because it's just perfect. It's a, in the way that the that he handed off the legacy to her yes. was fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Um. Really like that. Um, so I realize these are things that I'm not changing. I'm saying saying they're good, but I just want to get them out there. Oh, yeah. And the last one would Say be – your piece, there's, there's so much in this movie. I mean, i sure there's yeah. stuff we
1: haven't talked about. There. It's oh, like it's so much people stuff. are probably screaming at this podcast like, you idiots, you
0: didn't
2: talk about this. <laughs> this oh, podcast I know. is longer than the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it
0: will. There will be enough end game content from the Story Geeks. I guarantee you that we oh, yeah. will go through this over and over. Um, but the last one I'll mention is I'm not sure how the legacy stuff is going to work with Cap because Cap is such a unique character. Nothing. This is nothing against Falcon. It's nothing against Winter Soldier. Obviously, they've chosen Falcon. It makes sense that they chose Falcon. But I don't know how you make that changeover because Cap is so unique. Mm. And if you look at Falcon, he, his character arc has been awesome, but his character arc has always been to be the lighthearted hearted Sidekick guy, yeah. and that's not really what we get from Captain America. If you look at Bucky, I understand why they didn't choose him because he has this super dark past, which Captain right. America doesn't have. So I get why the, they chose Falcon over Bucky, but I don't understand how you make it work with them being Cap.
2: I need a vibranium wings. That's what I need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I need some some moss. Uh,
0: now, to be fair, I do think that there was a really interesting moment that was captured um, that I haven't heard anybody talk about yet, but I don't know if you guys noticed this. You guys saw the movie a lot more than I did, but yeah. when Captain Marvel catches Thanos' hand, it's basically the same move that came from yes, Infinity I, yeah, War. Yes, I did see that. Yes, Yeah. But then she
2: one-ups it and just pushes him back. That was exactly, awesome. Exactly.
0: So I'm, I'm wondering if that is, if that moment there is actually a passing of the torch to giving her more authority, mm. um, because of the comparison to Cap right there. So I, I have a take I on this too, because I feel like I,
1: I feel like part. I like where you're going with that whole passing of the torch. I feel like she's being more successful with it at that moment in time because mm. her powers come from the Space Stone. It, she is the Tesseract basically, so. You could see her kind of lighting up blue in a way, too, and it, well, the way Thanos looks down at the, at the stones, you could tell he's like, wow, th- there's something with this one, like, there's a calling between her and the Space Stone, so he has to, like, knock the Power Stone out and whip it in a way so that he can use that energy against her, because she's being able to like summon a strength out of that space stone and pull his hand so like she's doing it better because she's got this connection with with the tesseract
2: yeah exactly and then power stone and to the moon
0: <laughs> right right <laughs> that's right like boom <laughs> we're going to get more thoughts from these guys on the aftercast so first of all ray nick thank you so much thank for joining me for on this us. podcast Yeah, and like like they've been saying, we'd love for you to become a patron as well. And if you become a patron with these guys, then you can get access to our Aftercast, which we're going to jump into. We're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about, was it right for Thor to chop Thanos' head off? That's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Infinity Stones and the Infinity Gauntlet a little bit more. And whether or not that should have showed up more in Endgame or not. So hope you'll join us for that, but guys... That's a tease. Patreon! Yeah, that's a tease.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, guys. It has been a pleasure. It's been great. Love it.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: His show, special thanks again to Nick Prokop and Ray DeLeon for joining us. If this doesn't showcase how knowledgeable our Patreon supporters are... I don't know what will. Thanks for joining us, guys. That was fantastic. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this was a special bonus episode in our MCU series. If you missed any of the previous episodes in this series, including the character arc episodes on Thor and Iron Man, which now have entirely different meaning after seeing Avengers Endgame. In fact, I highly recommend revisiting the Iron Man episode now that we've all seen Avengers Endgame. Be sure to check those out in our podcast feed or on our blog at thestorygeeks.com. And stay tuned. Next week, we'll be joined by some special guests to discuss Game of Thrones. And after that, we'll be kicking off our DCEU series. If you like Game of Thrones or the DCEU, you won't want to miss those episodes. Subscribe for free to the Story Geeks podcast on your preferred podcast provider. If you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcast, please share our show with a geek friend or review the Story Geeks podcast on iTunes. We're going to switch over to our aftercast, so I hope you'll join us for that as well. We'll be talking about Thor and his decision to chop off Thanos' head and the aftermath of his PTSD, plus a little bit more on the Infinity Gauntlet itself. Get more information on our aftercast and all of our other content over at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. Special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the Story Geeks podcast by supporting us on Patreon. Anthony Holder, Adam Vargas, Brianna, Bryce Cox, Connie Moe, Jessica Pritchett, Jim and Mary Baldwin, Joshua Beckham, Jeremy and Kimberly Lujo, Monty Thigpen, Ray DeLeon, Samuel Peloquin, and Wade Johnson. To gain access to our Aftercast and unlock more Patreon rewards, or just to support the show, we love just people who are willing to support the show, please head over to thestorygeeks.com for more information.